Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to once again tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you to those places where you have those aha aha moments and mastermind meetings that can change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. So today, we are going to be covering something that is actually in a way near and dear to my heart, and I'm excited that for the first time ever, we're going to be able to look at this from this particular angle. It's about the hidden dangers of focusing excessively on operational efficiency. Now, wait, wait, wait. People say, what, what, what? What? You're focusing excessively on operational efficiency? You shouldn't be operationally efficient? No, no, no. That's not what we're saying at all. But what we need to be cautious of is that pushing things like cost efficiencies at the expense of the customer experience or separately from the overall business value can be a big mistake. So our guest today is actually the co-author of a book on this topic, and I'm going to introduce him very briefly, and then he's going to tell us a bit more about himself. His name is Filippo Passerini, and his leadership as the president of Procter & Gamble's Global Business Services and CIO has been recognized as best in class in the industry. His strategies appear in numerous books, articles, and business reviews, and he is currently a consultant to several companies and C-suite executives. So I'm very excited to have him with us today. So Filippo Passerini, come on in. The weather's fine. Wonderful. Thank you very, very much, Adam. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what we're going to do here is uh, what we're going to do is before we dive into the main thrust of what we're going to cover today is we're going to pull back the curtain. I read just a piece of your official bio and I was so impressed by it. I'm not even sure I'm worthy to be in your presence and this is my show. So uh, what we're going to do is have you tell us a bit in your own words about your journey and how it's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Take it away, Filippo. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Adam. Uh, today, starting from the end and moving backwards, I'm in New York, New York City. I am uh, from Italy, uh, from Rome. I joined uh, a Procter & Gamble after, after university in Italy, then I had my internet. A career we moved uh, seven times, including uh, Latin America, uh, in Greece, the UK, uh, in Turkey, and now we've been in the US. I went from a number of positions, a number of uh, roles, uh, primarily in digital technology, but also business. 
In the last 12 years, as you indicated, I've been president uh, for our global, global business service. So we pulled together all the uh, process operations uh, in Procter and Gamble, and, um, and we fundamentally ran all the all the backbone of our processes from finance to HR, some supply chain, uh, all of um, information uh, technology, procurement, um, uh, consumer call center. Uh, some sales um, operations uh, and many, many more. So the organization, the scope was uh, quite large. And uh, for a number of reasons, uh, we were seeing uh, best in class in the industry for many, many years. And what we try and, um, to reflect in the book, uh, my co-author and myself as uh, experience what we did and what worked well and what didn't work well for us. And, um, and so it's very much um, practitioners' uh, experience that we reflect in this book, something which is very, very applicable, applicable immediately. Yeah. So... You are, as I, I believe, the co-author of a new book called Revolutionizing Business Operations, which goes into how to build dynamic processes for enduring competitive advantage. So what I want to do is delve into at least a few of the topics from that book that I've had an opportunity to peruse and find very interesting. So the first point I want to cover is I remember you know, back when I was uh, thinking about climbing the corporate ladder after I got my MBA and such, and... I was told that if I really wanted to make a mark, I should forget about my dreams of being a training and development director for a Fortune 100, that I should really go into sales because sales is what really matters to an organization. Now, I resisted that at the time, and it might have actually been one of the minor factors that cut short my corporate ladder climbing and segued me into entrepreneurship, but it's been my belief all along that the business processes are just as important, like your, your finance, your human resources, and that they're important to win in the marketplace too. So is it more important for companies to have superior products? Is it more important for people to have the business process? Does this all have some impact on the winning that we can do? Well, this is a very, very good question, Adam. And this is what happens uh, as you indicated at the beginning. Our companies want to improve uh, efficiency of their of their processes. That is, you know, fundamentally reducing costs, improving uh, service quality for the employees, for the customers, for the clients. Uh, and as you said, that this is, you know, through a variety of different uh, different processes. Now, companies uh, they make uh, they make products, they make uh, they make services for their clients, for their customers, and uh, uh, processes are oftentimes seen as a, a necessary hell. You have to have uh, processes to deliver the business, uh, but these are not the business per se, and so. And so it's always a second uh, thought, um, second uh, priority, and as a result of that, uh, they become you know very stagnant um, and obsolete um, over time. So what happens, Adam, is that um, companies want to uh, uh, transform uh, this process, uh, so they will make an intervention 
uh, some big programs, you know, all um, um, all arms up. But then uh, after a while, you know, they go back to the way it was before and uh, becomes, you know, stagnant, uh, repetitive one more time. Uh, we believe that there is a way to this madness to, to uh, sort it out, and it is possible dynamically to keep this process always uh, fresh, always effective, and therefore create a competitive uh, advantage. Uh, to your point, then, um, this is important in our view for companies who have uh, superior products as well as, you know, for companies who are more than a uh, commodity business because it is applicable across uh, the spectrum, the value of uh, operating processes as a competitive edge rather than uh, something that you try to uh, minimize, reduce, and just run for for you know for uh, for lower cost. So this is the framework, and we believe there are three drivers that can help uh, accomplish that. And uh, there are different stages at which a company can evolve uh, along the journey of uh, moving from. Uh, uh, pretty much a default way of running processes to a very intentional and uh, strategic one. Right, 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 right. So um, why does it seem like a lot of business transformation programs fail? We're going to jump around a little bit because there's, um, there's a certain sequence here that I'm seeing as being very important. So uh, you know, we spoke about business processes here. Now, what about the transformation side of it? And, you know, you know with my understanding of how uh, change management, organizational change and those types of things work, and we see a lot of those actually fail. Now, why do they fail? And how can we avoid this failure? Well, we believe there are three, uh, three vectors that could fully, fully help. One is um, fundamentally operating processes with the mindset um, uh, of an open market, pretty much like any companies, unless you are in a uh, in a in <laughs> a monopolistic business, you will um, operate by creating pull, creating attractive value. A proposition for your customers. You are not pushing, you are not mandating your uh, products, uh, your services to them. Um, the same we believe applies to um, uh, business processes. We believe that uh, companies uh, can operate, should operate uh, with the same mindset. Uh, we have seen uh, firsthand uh, the value of uh, doing that. Uh, and, um, and, um, you know, fundamentally, uh, setting the rules, the KPIs, the metrics, the measures according to an open market. So fundamentally, within the company, the open market, the customers will be stakeholders, will be employees who use these processes, will be uh, senior managers, will be all the other constituencies within the company. So this is the open market. Then we believe that we need to drive uh, accountability for individual processes because 
Some of these processes RNMAs you know very well, they span multiple functions, multiple uh, areas, and in doing so there is a lot of hands off, a lot of uh, unnecessary touch points. Uh, the metrics, uh, the measures for success are oftentimes uh, fragmented. And uh, we believe that by creating this uh, central accountability by process, uh, it is like running uh, brands, you know, like running a product. Like, you know, for any product, you have uh, clear uh, brand management, a clear accountability. Now, this person is not in charge of everything, will not be in charge of necessarily selling, manufacturing, or other areas, but the accountability resides there. And uh, we believe that the same model can uh, should be applied to uh, processes. And finally, uh, the third vector, the third the key driver is this dynamic um, operating model. So all the uh, capabilities we need to constantly evolve, but constantly innovate. Uh, processes then um, are part of the operating model and this needs to be constantly uh, transformed. Um, we have done, uh, we you know, have been in business now for uh, 40 years, most of which with you know, Procter & Gamble over, over 30. And now in the last um, uh, seven, eight years, I've seen as an advisor several, several companies and I am uh, positive that uh, when, uh, uh, to your point, um, the value creation through processes is not there, uh, there is oftentimes one or more of these uh, three, uh, uh, three pillars, three, uh, three key drivers uh, missing or incomplete. Right. Now, you and, and Tony have argued in your book that you know, we're talking about business transformation. We're talking about business processes. But you gentlemen recommend that we take this a step further and we revolutionize our business operations. Now, I know it feels like in the first half here, we're defining a lot of terms. And I'm doing this for a reason so our listeners can understand the framework. So you guys suggest that we need to revolutionize them as opposed to continually improve them. So can you explain for us in in real-world terms, what we mean by that bifurcation. Yeah, the, the, the reason why we use the word uh, revolutionizing is because it's a um, significant uh, departure from the way companies operate at the present. Uh, as we said, uh, processes, business processes are seen as uh, you know, necessary to, to run the business. Uh, the less you spend, the better when they get obsolete or you know, stagnant, uh, you have to intervene uh, with a massive, uh, typically, uh, program. Yeah. Um, we believe that all of that could or should be, become more of a continuous. And um, in the for the revolution uh, we uh, refer to is in the mindset. Is in the is in the models, is in the framework, and in the work we suggest uh, a clear uh, roadmap to get there and um, the different stages there are different four stages of evolution and so think of this as a matrix uh, four stages by three uh, key drivers 
Burms, so the open market uh, rules, um, uh, are unified accountability and, and dynamic operating model. If we look at these three drivers times the four uh, stages, we have per each one of these 12 blocks a clear set of uh, suggestions on how you can continue to improve, to evolve. And, uh, and again, uh, we have seen it um, firsthand um, in our job. Uh, and uh, and this is, I believe, one of the reasons why in uh, global uh, business services, which is, you know, fundamental in the organization, I was, uh, I was in charge of and uh, built and ran for 12 years. Uh, this is what made it best in class. It was not me, it was not necessarily a few individuals, but um, it was the model. And we believe that this model is uh, reapplicable. So at this point of our life, uh, as you can imagine, we want to give back. And this is the spirit of this book, to share what we learned in this area, which could be fully, fully an incredible source of value for, for companies. Yeah, cer- certainly. So what I'm hearing in there is, and this might have been a sub-point, but the idea of, for lack of a better phrase, sloganeering. Uh, in social media, we might call this hashtagging. It's the idea of creating a mantra that the organization can rally itself around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is a combination of, uh, to your earlier point, uh, continuing to drive uh, efficiency, of course, you know, because cost is important. We want to continue to reduce cost to, to um, increase uh, the quality of um of operations, some of that will never be neglected but, or deprioritized. But this is not an either or, it is an end. Uh, we can do that, we can increase the uh, effectiveness. Effectiveness meaning building new uh, models for the business, um, bringing uh, automation, simplify, optimize uh, some of these processes. And then uh, and then uh, constantly evolving towards uh, innovation. Uh, it is fascinating how also mundane uh, processes, you know, could be could be fully, fully innovative, ongoing, and uh, and that is you know where the value resides because uh, innovation forces us to think about how to generate um, greater. Uh, experience, better experience for employees, or how to eliminate unnecessary uh, touch points, or in you know, a time that is not well spent on uh, on processes. So there is a lot to say about uh, the effectiveness, in addition to the efficiency and uh, uh, thinking of a process uh, as a product, um, as a brand, is is a way to uh, facilitate to to enable that. Right. So what are some of the other new skills that we should acquire if we want to be looking at revolutionizing the business operations rather than simply continually improving them or modifying them? Yeah, um, you know, like for any scale, um, like, you know, uh, driving the car, learning a sport, playing uh, an instrument, uh, 
the most efficient way is to follow a best-in-class way to do it. Um, so someone has to tell you, look, you know, this is the way you will serve uh, in uh, 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 in tennis. This is the way you will uh, you will throw the ball uh, uh, in football. This is the way you put the hands of uh, on uh, on your piano board. So there is um, uh, a best best way to apply uh, the technique, and uh, and if we have to discover by trial and errors or by observing others, it may take a long, long time, and not necessarily in a uh, we learn uh, the right way. So if someone tells us, look, you know, the best way to drive the car or the best way to play the sport, the technique is this. It is much more efficient. Um, so I believe um, people can benefit from knowing uh, how to do it, how best to do it. Then we need to implement it. And we will strongly recommend uh, learning on the job. So, you know, pushing water through the pipes uh, with your own teams. And then, uh, and then of course, so we need to validate uh, what you are doing. But the skills, um, as you indicated at the beginning, are much has to do with, you know, change management, but applying the this uh, area, not just uh, in general. And then uh, process mapping. This is a very, very good skill to uh, possess. You know, how would you map out a process? How do you uh, increase the uh, accelerate the cycle time? How do you increase the effectiveness of the process? So um, these are some of the skills which could be very, very, very helpful. But but the way to acquire the skills, I, in my experience, the best way is. Uh, to learn the most uh, effective way to do it, like for any skill, and um, and then uh, you know do it with your own um, organization for the most part. Right. So, how do you suggest um, that senior leaders go about introducing this idea in their organizations? We're talking about like your CEOs, government leaders, nonprofit leaders. So, to me, this sounds like a segue into sponsorship if i'm getting that correctly yeah the, the, what we suggest in the book so we have uh, codified uh, some of these um uh some of these models and uh, let me actually uh, to, to this point um, offer this observation and um, i have found out that the best way to uh, transfer knowledge to uh, uh -huh. how it is uh, to go from um, uh, empirical to the model to the framework because the empirical experience makes it uh, real otherwise becomes you know theoretical conceptual without a but uh, the empirical experience alone uh, is anecdotal you know you have one story after the other uh, you may say, oh, good, you know, well done, but you don't know what to do with that. So when we combine um, empirical experience with what is the model behind it, why things happen the way they happen, then um, uh, knowledge uh, transfer is very, very effective. So in the book, what we offer, what we propose is to establish, you know, um, uh, several tools like a clear 
organization employees uh, with central accountability, then uh, building up uh, some of the skills and um, uh, market understanding, which for us will be our internal companies, uh, establish the clear metrics, metrics which are oriented to the effectiveness in the business, not just the efficiency of each individual process. We suggest um, managing these processes end to end, like you know, like a product. You know, it's, it's not fragmented mm-hmm. uh, the responsibilities. So all these uh, steps are indicated in the box, so that it becomes. Uh, the guide almost that, um, you know, hopefully uh, the readers, uh, the business leaders can uh, uh, can implement at least, you know, uh, several of these uh, su- uh, suggestions. But there is in the book uh, there's a clear roadmap to, 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 to your question around uh, how to go about it how to uh, set up the uh, organization model, the organization uh, structure, how to set uh, the right, the best measures, which are conducive uh, to getting the results we want, um, how to drive central accountability and how to build a metanomic uh, operating model. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. So uh, what, can be done to create this culture of change acceptance when it comes to the revolutionizing side of it. And I've been around the uh, the fields of change management and organizational change, and I've worked for companies, and I've been involved in teams. And, you know, I have one thing that I've noticed is a trend across all of these different pieces I've been involved in or have witnessed that seems to be one of the biggest impediments. It's a small thing, but seems like a small thing, but it tends to be the linchpin. Uh, But what, you know, again, what should leaders do to go about making this acceptance part happen? uh, We believe that um, the best way to do it, and this is an area that um, your question is very, very good, because this is a bit, you know, some of the uh, common challenge or some of the uh, questions uh, people have in mind. How do you? Uh, how do I drive uh, people to support, uh, uh, adopt, embrace uh, change? Um, we have found uh, that uh, first of all, it has to be uh, what we call. Uh, 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 a pull, not a push. So we we believe that uh, we should not mandate our change. Uh, we should articulate the value of a change in a way that uh, uh, people are truly, truly willing to support and embrace. Uh, you know, uh, right behind, rally behind. Um, so this is uh, something that we have done, uh, we have experienced ourselves, and frankly, has been one of the defining factors as to why probably uh, the work we did was in um, Western class. But the so is is um, is creating uh, value in a way that people feel they want to be part of uh, this uh, change. And then and, and the second and more important part, because this first one is fairly obvious, 
is to articulate the value at three different levels. Why it is right, uh, why is the right thing to do for the business, why it is the right thing to do for the organization, and why it is the right thing to do for you personally, for you personally. Because the people fundamentally want to do what is right for the business. Uh, we are all uh, professionals. We are responsible. We want to collaborate uh, and add value. So that's important to clarify why that is such a value for, for, for our company, for our business. Secondly, people want to belong to uh, a winning team. So articulating why this is good uh, for the business to do, why um, this is something that uh, um, uh, for the organization to do, why this will make the organization uh, better, more, more effective, uh, more performant, uh, and therefore um, will uh, will drive. Uh, we will be seen as a leading organization within the business. Uh, and this is something that uh, people uh, respond to very, very strongly because, you know, as we said, we want to be part of a winning organization. And thirdly, and most importantly, probably why it is the right thing to do for you, and that could be uh, professional development, uh, that could be an opportunity to learn uh, uh, a new area of the business, that could be a variety of uh, good reasons why for you there's a change uh, is effective but uh, but this is in my experience a very very strong way to uh, get people to, to fully embrace a change so it's it's uh, creating positive uh, energy and creating a desire uh, to embrace and support uh, the change whether it is in a small process or a big change or a mega transformation program. Uh, the tools are pretty much really applicable uh, in all cases. Certainly, certainly. Now, how is this all different from digital transformation? And if you could define that term for us as well. But so the, the digital is uh, every time people think of. Um, uh, change uh, business transformation uh, uh, process transformation. People think of digital now. Um, if you 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 know very well, Adam, that if you ask ten different people, what do you mean of a digital uh, transformation? You get uh, very different answers, and uh, it's not surprising because each one of us comes from a different background. But our position is that uh, digital transformation, which fundamentally means bringing new uh, technologies to create uh, capabilities to automate, uh, uh, this is something that uh, the ultimate goal is to transform the way business is done. This is the ultimate goal. And... Uh, that's how you know the, 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 the digital transformation becomes an enabler to transforming the wiring of the company, the processes of a company. Because you know, fundamentally, what companies want to do, they want to run their processes, um, as we've been saying, you know, more effectively, more efficiently, more innovatively. And digital is one way to. 
uh, to accomplish that by connecting the dots. And then, uh, the reason why uh, we made the comment earlier that uh, it is so important to uh, map out uh, processes of the skills of process uh, change or change management uh, is because fundamentally before applying technologies or digital transformation, uh, we need to make sure that we uh, eliminate the starting line, simplify uh, this process. And that's why the skill is so, so, so important. Certainly, certainly. So in your work with Procter & Gamble, what made them so successful at doing this whole thing of revolutionizing their business operations? Well, we have uh, totally, totally uh, connected uh, very, very strongly uh, with the business. Now, again, this seems uh, pretty obvious, but um, um, what we have done is to run uh, our operations, our business uh, processes, totally, totally as a business, as a business. And that's how the three uh, drivers that I indicated um, uh, come in. Uh, so we uh, interacted uh, with the business, not as a monopolistic um, organization who runs processes in the back office, but um, as a business partner, as a business leader who wants to add value to the business. So what we call the open market mindset was very, very important, very, very critical because we believe that we had to earn the right to create value and to show to the business how the value was coming. So this mindset and the tools associated uh, with this uh, mindset and the skills were truly, truly critical. Then we drove this uh, clear accountability end-to-end. -end. So if you take a process in finance or in supply chain or in procurement or in sales, um, we were you know, making sure that there was a person in charge of delivering value through this process for the business. And the value comes in the form of uh, lower cost per unit, um, um, better experience, better results, better performance, more innovative, more automated. So this, you know, clear accountability as we as we've been talking, and then uh, constantly looking at the evolution of the model, the operating model, so that we were uh, bringing in new skills, new capabilities, building out the new new tools for the for the business and for our own organization so so we followed a very very uh, rigorous uh, roadmap and uh, and this is what we have reflected in the book and uh, this is um uh, the stages uh per each stage uh the three uh the three drivers and per each driver slash uh stage what are the interventions to make uh, to move to the next uh, phase so, so it's a pretty um, robust roadmap that uh, makes a company know exactly what they have to do, given their starting point of how to continue to evolve. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So uh, so I guess the next thing that I would be you know curious to discover here is 
what does what does AI, artificial intelligence, have to do with this? Uh, how can these types of technologies be used for business operations today is part one. And then part two, based on your experiences, what opportunities do we have to utilize them even better than they already are? Yeah, the, the, we have seen uh, over the years, and I'm, as you know very well, uh, several, several technologies that at the beginning were seen as, you know, breakthrough, um, a transformational, and then they uh, faded a bit, or they didn't uh, uh, materialize as, as, you know, as well as that was uh, initially anticipated, initially thought. So with AI, uh, you know, shows a lot of um, uh, promising opportunities. I would think of AI like uh, for any technologies as uh, something that can be a big enabler to make um, operations better, faster, um, eliminate uh, unnecessary uh, duplicated uh, inspections or duplicated uh, interventions or, you know, variety of different uh, opportunities to um, make more efficient. But, um, but again, uh, it's one of the technologies, so it uh, could be very, very powerful, but I would keep the North Star before us, and the North Star is to transform the way business is done. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So, um, you know, as we um, as we wrap up here a lot of our listeners are actually businesses that are in the transition from startup to revenue and in that place where they're moving from being solopreneurial to becoming leveraged organizations so these are two inflection points where everything we've covered today just begins to acquire relevancy which is part of the reason i wanted to have this have you on today which is to give them a foreshadowing of what they can look forward to so how is this this book that you've created and how is your message relevant to organizations beyond the big companies like Procter and Gamble? Uh, what about small companies, nonprofits, public sector? How, how does it play into those? Yeah, this is actually another very, very good question, uh, which we got a lot in general in our advisory work. Uh, and, um, I would argue that for smaller companies, this is even more important uh, because the uh, flexibility you have with you know, resources capacity can be more limited. So for smaller companies, it, it can be even more impactful. Now, the beauty of what we're talking here is that this is applicable uh, transversally across all uh, industries, all um, industries, all sectors, all sizes of a company, whether, you know, small or big, the same model, exactly the same uh, operating principles, the same criteria can be applied. This is this makes it very, very powerful because um, the value you get from the discipline, from the uh, rigor of applying this uh, uh, frameworks, these models, is, is a truly, truly... Uh, valid uh, for for any companies of any sizes of any sectors right 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 okay great 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 so as we um as we finish up here i just want to first of all encourage all, all of our listeners to uh check out 
this book. Uh, so this uh, it's actually a book co-written by by you and uh, and uh, Tony Saldana, and it's called. Let me just find it here. Revolutionizing Business Operations, How to Build Dynamic Processes for Enduring Competitive Advantage. It just came out a couple months ago. It's uh, been getting a lot of media attention. In fact, part of the reason you're here on the Business Creators Radio Show is because I've seen you in other places and requested that you guys come on board. So very delighted to have you here. And what's really what you, know, what you really want to uh, think about as you make your decision to go to www.rbo-book.com. That's www.rbo-book.com. And get the book by Tony Soldana and Filippo Passerini is that you can't risk the consequences of your work processes becoming obsolete. What you need instead is a new model for constant ongoing enterprise-wise process, evolution, and optimization. So uh, you know, one thing I want to actually circle back on before we end here is one of the premises in what I discovered skimming this book myself in preparation for this interview is that we have seen sometimes where operational efficiency uh, translated to cost efficiencies can be at the expense of customer experience. So how does this happen? I, I mean, I mean, how do we end up, how does this become a rational business decision for people to actually allow the customer experience to take second place to some notion of operational efficiency? Yeah, then, then. Um, just as a final comment, perhaps, this is exactly the, the, the uh, situation that happens to many, many companies to drive um, uh, efficiency with the best intention, uh, you end up uh, uh, not only not driving uh, the right effective interventions uh, on the business, but you create uh, inefficiencies in other areas of the business. One of the stories that I that we illustrate uh, in um, in the book uh, is when I moved uh, internationally for in the fourth or fifth time, uh, going from the U.S. Uh, back to Europe, and um, in this uh, transfer, the way these international moves go, Adam, as you probably know, you work with your HR local person um, he will explain she will explain all the policies um the movers who come into the house to pack uh, your household goods you know the, the, the you know school hunting house hunting house search in the new location then there is you know all of that um with you know uh moving a family uh sometimes our kids uh school age maybe pets and uh and this has been going on for a long, long time. Then what happened is that we, in a spirit of being uh, more efficient, Procter uh, & Gamble, we uh, created uh, global vendors. So the idea was you uh, scale, you know, you, you create volume that uh, will lower uh, the price, the cost of uh, 
uh, moving the girls internationally, you know, moving cars, uh, visas, all the administrative paperwork required, and so forth. So this is something that uh, employed uh, creating uh, global global vendors. And I was one of the first that to go through this first model. This was a prior to my time in uh, global uh, business operations. And uh, and it was a very, very difficult um, experience because what became, uh, what was, uh, you know, an interaction with your local Detroit person and, uh, you talk to her and you will work out uh, what is required, the paperwork, the, 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 you know, the physical moves, the, the, you know, the, the, the finding the right place to live in the new location internationally. All of that became uh, making phone calls to, you know, global suppliers who were uh, in the other end of the world and, uh, and they could not relate uh, to my issues. So to me, it became very, very uh, inefficient, and I felt I was highly uh, penalized by that. So for the um, uh, processes, for the organization running these processes, I'm sure it was more efficient, uh, because again, uh, you drive scale, you leverage scale, and uh, you, you reduce you know, the cost significantly. But for the employees, uh, for the... Uh, customer in this case, which was me, you know, the client, the customer of the service, um, it, it was not any better. It was much worse. So uh, we need to be very, very careful when uh, which we don't drive uh, uh, efficiency at the expense of uh, doing uh, what is right uh, for our internal organization. In this case, it was me, myself, as an employee of the company. But it could be external customers, it could be suppliers, it could be clients, it could be consumers. So this is why um, we believe it's important uh, to do one and the other and then uh, uh, keep innovation in mind so that we continue to evolve uh, the process. And, um, and that's how the three drivers um, uh, open marketplace, uh, unified accountability, and uh, a dynamic uh, process, operating model, dynamic um, operating operations uh, are so important because they define the roadmap and the tools and the skills and the organization model we have to build uh, and not to neglect uh, one, uh, not, not to focus on one value at the expense mm -hmm. of another. Exactly, exactly. And I appreciate you sharing all that with us. So again, I'll invite our listeners, uh, check out the book, Revol Revolutionizing Business Operations at www.rbo, rbo is in revolutionizing business operations, hyphen book.com. And with that, Filippo Passerini, thank you so much for being with here today. Okay. It's been an honor and believe me, an education. It's been a pleasure for me as well, Adam. Thank you so much and uh we'll keep in touch thank you for having me we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the business creators radio show 
Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.